Hi, and welcome to On Air with Clinical Respiratory News. I'm Nina Wiklund. And I'm Daniela Irsamtosi. And together, we'll be exploring news, ideas, and developments in sleep and respiratory medicine. On Air is intended for healthcare professionals only. Hello, and welcome to this podcast. I would like to welcome Dr. Maxime Patou from the hospital Pitié-Salpêtrière in Paris. Hello, I'm very happy to join you for this podcast. Thank you for being here, Maxime. It's great to have the opportunity to dig deeper into the world of high-flow therapy with you. Since the pandemic, high-flow therapy has not only been shown to have a wide field of use in the acute setup, but also in non-acute and out-of-hospital situations. You have a crucial role in the research that is currently gathering evidence about this. So what about looking into what are your first thoughts about the last three years and how the role of high-flow therapy has evolved in general, but also specifically out of hospital? So thanks for your question. I think it's a very important. And uh, I think we have to bear in mind that the COVID pandemic has changed quite a lot of things with respect to high flow, because prior to the pandemic, it was very an ICU thing. It was a niche treatment for the very sick patients. And because of the pandemic, most of the respiratory physicians have gained knowledge on how to use it. And now we are starting to see more and more physicians using it within the hospital. And as they are using it and seeing the benefit within the hospital, they are trying to use it outside the hospital. So I think now we are on the verge of a, a big change in respiratory medicine because since uh, the, in the beginning of oxygen therapy, there has not been any new treatment regarding oxygen delivery. And also, if you think about uh, respiratory support, NIV has been going on for more than three decades. And now we have something that may be useful for a patient. So I think it's a very exciting time uh, that we are currently living. Yeah, thank you for that answer. And with that, I think a question around how do you see the use of high flow therapy evolving in the next five years, considering the recent developments? Because looking back, as you said, there has been a lot changed. But how does it look like for the next couple of years? Yeah, I, I think that now we, we have more and more trial and we are conducting a trial also in France to assess the benefit of high flow therapy. But if you look at clinicaltrial.gov, you can see that there is more and more large clinical trial that uh, are, are currently running. And I think that over the next five years, we will have more and more evidence to see what are the benefits of high flow in the home settings. And we will also have a better understanding on which patient we should give this therapy. For now, I think we uh, think about high-flow therapy as another way to deliver oxygen therapy. But I think that within the next five years, we will see that high-flow therapy itself without oxygen can also be uh, useful for the patient. So I think that we will see that more and more. And obviously, there will be some challenges to overcome regarding uh, the payment of the devices and how the social security take care of it. But it, it will go through because I'm pretty sure that we will have more and more evidence suggesting that it's useful. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree. And there are currently several discussions around the different possible effects of home high flow therapy in particular, and the mechanism of its action. Acknowledging that the clinical evidence is not yet conclusive, but growing, as you said before, could you elaborate on which patients you would see could profit the most from high flow therapy at home in particular, in your opinion? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a very important point because obviously it's not a, a therapy for all the patients. My guess would be that 
uh, home eye flow therapy will be more beneficial on patients with severe disease because uh, it's always a little bit cumbersome to wear a device overnight to get some benefit. So I think that for patients with moderate disease, it's probably a little bit too soon and it's not something that patients would like to use on a regular basis. But for advanced COPD patients, I think it would be uh, very useful, especially for those who have uh, a problem with secretion management, who are, uh, who are producing lots of phlegm, because the high flow therapy helps to get rid of the phlegms. And I think that would be something that help this group of patients. Then for very end-stage patients, patients that are using NIV a lot, it may be also beneficial as a, uh, you know, when patients are using it, the NIV 18 hours, so very severe patients. Uh, having a bit of high flow between the NIV session may be uh, also useful to relieve a little bit the work of breathing and improve the comfort of the patients. And I think if we go outside of COPD patients, I think patients with severe lung disease, with uh, uh, interstitial lung disease may also benefit from that because they may have a benefit also on breathlessness and um, a better oxygenation also. Yeah, thank you for that. I think we will see more and more evidence um, being generated in, in different areas. So specifically on COPD, what's your experience of home high flow therapy for COPD in terms of symptoms and exacerbations in particular? Yeah, so for COPD patients, it's clearly the main population that we uh, we think that high flow therapy will be uh, useful. So regarding the symptoms, it has been shown, and we see that for all the patients, that most of the patients find it very comfortable to breathe with the high flow therapy because it reduces the work of breathing. So that is something that is uh, beneficial for them. Usually they complain that they have uh, also less problem with secretions and they are able to sleep well uh, with the therapy on. And then regarding exacerbation, uh, we tried that on some of our patients that had that were frequent flyers uh, and we saw that pre and post high flow therapy initiation, they had less frequent exacerbations. So obviously we have to be cautious because it's pre and post and it's not randomized controlled trial. But I think in quite lots of patients, we see a benefit. And in most of the cases, the patient are tolerating the device quite well. So it's not a huge challenge to give it a try and to see if the patient copes with it in the home settings. And if it helps, then the patient can carry on. And if it, if it doesn't feel any benefits, then obviously it's something that is easy to stop. It's less cumbersome than NIV because NIV uh, is more challenging. You have lots of settings, whereas for iFlow, it's quite easy to, to set up. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And are there other circumstances where you would consider home high flow therapy as a treatment option? You briefly mentioned ILD, for example, but would you foresee other areas? Yeah, so if we go outside the COPD field, I think patients with bronchiectatic lung disease may also benefit from this therapy because they, they share some uh, clinical features uh, similar to COPD patients. They have lots of secretions uh, problem and they have frequent uh, exacerbation too. So I think for this population that may be uh, useful and maybe for CF patients uh, that are not responding to the new uh, therapy that may be uh, also useful. Then if we look at patients with interstitial lung disease, I think that these patients, obviously, they have uh, drugs that are coming to the market and that are very useful. But for end-stage patients, we don't have a lot of treatment for the management of breathlessness and for them to be able to go home. So I think it will be a nice option for them. 
Yeah, absolutely. So people often question how home high flow therapy compares to home non-invasive ventilation. What are your considerations when it comes to choosing the right treatment? It's a good question. And, and I think we have to be a little bit careful when we think about the comparison of the two uh, devices, because, uh, you know, in a way, nobody would compare oxygen to non-invasive ventilation. And I think and nobody would compare nebulization to non-invasive ventilation. They are two different devices. Obviously, it's a device that we give to the patients. But when you are thinking about high flow therapy, you are in an open system. Whereas when you are thinking about NIV, it's a closed system that compensates for the leaks and that generates a pressure. So I think we have to bear in mind that they are not the same. Obviously, as you can use uh, bronchodilatators in all your COPD patients, you may use both of these treatments in COPD patients. But I think high flow therapy is probably for patients that have less advanced disease than patients with NIV. We have to keep in mind that we have now good evidence that NIV is beneficial for uh, COPD patients in home settings. So for patients that are highly hypercapnic, I think NIV should remain the first-line therapy, although there is some data from Japan suggesting that high flow is also a good alternative, but we need to have evidence supporting that. So I would rather have patients that are highly hypercapnic, maybe not so with so many exacerbations. I would rather put them on, on non-invasive ventilation, whereas patients that are not hypercapnic, that have lots of exacerbation, I would go for high flow therapy as a first-line therapy. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Looking to the future, with all the discussions around value-based healthcare at the back of our minds, as well as the huge constraints on healthcare system, What do you foresee as the value and benefits of high flow therapy use outside of hospital in the long term? I think it's a very important point that, that, that you are raising because obviously we have to be mindful of the way that we, we spend the money currently. So I, I think that if we reduce the exacerbation rate, the benefit of therapy will be the, the fact that we, we use less hospital resources and that uh, should be quite beneficial. So I think that it will reduce exacerbation and it will therefore uh, decrease the burden on the hospital system. Then we also have to keep in mind that high flow therapy may also be used within the hospital and in the hospital it may also prevent some patient from going to uh, to the intensive care so that may be some additional uh, saving regarding the medico economic balance of this uh, therapy. Yes and there will certainly be more to come on in that area when the evidence generation will be more Yeah, and exactly. And that is something that we have included in our trial. So obviously the primary aim of our trial is to show that we have a benefit, but we have also planned a medical and economic analysis to support the fact that it's helping to, uh, to save some money from the healthcare system. Yeah, thank you for that. In other areas like the PAP therapy or home non-invasive ventilation, the use of remote monitoring has rapidly increased in the last couple of years. Where do you see the value of remote monitoring in home high-flow therapy? Yeah, I think that we are lucky in the field of respiratory medicine because we are uh, used to, to do some uh, telemonitoring of our patients and to monitor that. So I think that it would be quite useful to also have some remote monitoring uh, with the use of high-flow therapy and 
if you just look at the compliance or the adherence of the usage of the patient of the high flow therapy, probably if the patient is using the therapy more during the daytime, that means that probably he's having an acute exacerbation and that may, maybe we should trigger uh, uh, an intervention. But we, we need to, to have obviously a little bit evidence, more evidence for, for supporting what I'm saying. But I think that if we have uh, also a little bit more data on the way that the patient is breathing using the high flow therapy, that may be something that is quite useful. If we can uh, calculate the respiratory rate or all the metrics, that would be something that would be very useful and something that we don't have on patient on oxygen therapy. So that would be something very uh, meaningful for this group of patients. Yes. Thank you very much, Maxim. I think we are already at the end of this podcast. So thank you so much for these insights. We'll certainly hear more about high flow therapy in different setups in the coming years. And soon we will be hosting another podcast with Maxim on his insights into the French clinical trial HIFE a very important trial to increase the evidence in this field. So thank you again, Maxim. Thank you. You've been listening to On Air with Clinical Respiratory News. For new episode alerts and clinical updates, subscribe to our newsletter. <laughs>